You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. I'd like to welcome Hugo Fansel to the studios today. Thank you, Chad, and thank you to all the listeners as well. Hugo, the Insurance Crime Bureau, it's an organization I follow very closely. I follow them on um, social media. I follow them specifically on LinkedIn. I see a lot of reports coming out from the Insurance Crime Bureau, statistics, etc. But I don't think the public at large are aware of the actual work and partnerships that the Insurance Crime Bureau does and have created. Tell us a little bit more about how the, the Bureau was founded. Yes, uh, Chad, so in, in the year of 2006, at the South African Insurance Association, we had a fraud committee that started off uh, to talk about the different types of fraud that we see within our industry. We have then decided to do something about uh, this massive problem that we sit with in the industry. And I'm not speaking about claims that has been, been actually fraudulent, but it's organized crime. And, and when we started off in, in 2008, the 1st of July, it was a clear-cut thing for us that we want to address organized fraud and crime impacting the insurance industry. Luckily for us, uh, that is the short-term insurance industry. Luckily for us, we have decided about four or five years ago to also venture into the life insurance industry, and specifically speaking to hospital cashback plan, as well as to funeral policies and funeral claims that are vastly most, a lot of them are actually fraudulent. But uh, at that stage, we have said that, that we will, won't only do this for the insurance industry, we will do the same for the people of South Africa. And I think that is one of the most important things that we have decided on right in the beginning in 2008, that what we're going to do, we want to make a better place for the South Africans to stay in. And that is just a short where we started off in 2008. Explain to our listeners what the actual function is in terms of the support of insurance companies and obviously the, 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 the public at large. So uh, the, the, the members of the, insurance of the Insurance Crime Bureau do pay for, for being members of the Insurance Crime Bureau. And, and this actually gives them uh, access to a lot of data, a lot of functions that we actually play out there for the insurance uh, industry. But if I can just mention a few examples of what we see in, in fraud and in crime within our, in our space, and, for, and especially in South Africa. Now, if we can just, just think about vehicle crime in South Africa, when we address vehicle crime in South Africa for the industry, the exact same time we address it for the public at large as well because everything that we do everything that we take in uh, put into place to fight crime with the saps with the national prosecuting authorities we do the same work for the innocent people of south africa out there now if you just think today that people will actually kill people through in hijackings just to clone a vehicle to sell those vehicles to innocent buyers in south africa and that is where we as the Insurance Crime Bureau play a nodal role, not for, for government uh, on the SAP side only, but also for the vehicle asset finance uh, 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 companies out there and many, many other role players. As we provide statements to, to the police to show them and tell them there are cloned vehicles just being on the streets at this stage. We need to get rid of them. We need to get rid 
of the criminals that's actually killing people through hijacking, stealing vehicles to actually to get rid of these criminals through convictions and recoveries of monies out there. It is really proud, it's a proud thing for us that we've got such good convictions through the work of the Insurance Crime Bureau. But I must also stress it, it's with partners of our member companies, but it's also partners of our people out there, that's our eyes and ears, but it's also through government, and there's a very, very good relationship with many a role player out there to fight vehicle crime in South Africa. You mentioned something interesting. You said you're very proud of the conviction rate that involves your organization in conjunction with the police. Um, you yourself are an ex-police member. You served for 25 years with distinction. You're a commissioned officer. Do you have many other police officers that have retired or have left the service that are working with you? And, and what kind of investigations do you undertake on behalf of the industry? So, uh, firstly, yes, there's, there's quite a lot of uh, policemen, ex-policemen that's working within our organization, but there's also a lot of ex-policemen working within our industry. So we can, we can, we can go to, to uh, vehicle salvage, uh, where vehicles are getting cloned. We can speak about a lot of other things at this stage on vehicle crime. But at the end of the day, we need to play the role, the nodal role for, for the industry as well as government. And I can just give you one example. You know what? There's such a lot of vehicles stolen in South Africa and hijacked in South Africa. And we have started off with a bait car procedure in South Africa. And it is well known in Canada and the United States of America where vehicles are being, being placed in certain areas where we work closely with the police and the tracking, tracking companies, especially Tracker and Tracetech and those companies that we place vehicles with the NPA's, uh, um, knowledge at certain areas where we leave those vehicles in certain areas and some of these vehicles are stolen when, within five minutes and those are the type of investigations that we're doing for for our members for the people of South Africa I can also tell you that the, some of those um, bait cars have been stolen up to 12-15 times already and we just move them around in South Africa. And, and it's maybe a good time to give a warning to the criminals out there that you will never know if that vehicle is a bait vehicle that's standing there. Well, that's incredible. I saw a reality series involving bait cars, and I did a bit of research to see whether that would work in South Africa. And it turned out that it's far easier for an organization such as yourself to be able to set a trap than it is for the police in terms of Section 252 of the Criminal Procedure Act. The police have far more red tape and bureaucracy preventing them from setting up traps than what an organization such as yourself has. So Section 252, we follow the rules. We cannot be known out there that we don't follow rules and regulations. So we work very closely with the South African Police Service, especially on detective head office level where we, where do, where we do have a uh, public-private partnership in place, especially speaking to vehicle crime. And then also... Transferring of knowledge, information, and also training of, of, of youngsters that's coming into the police and also into our membership. So really important that we need to follow rules and regulations the same as the police.
We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about vehicle crime. And then later in the show, we're going to start talking about the exponential growth in crimes involving dead bodies. It sounds scary, but the reality is dead bodies are being used for a massive fraud in South Africa at the moment. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. I'm chatting today to Hugo Fadsell. He is the Chief Operations Officer of the Insurance Crime Bureau, an organization that is doing so much behind the scenes to ensure that uh, there is positive, reactive investigations taking place and from a proactive perspective through stats and through education and through mentorships that the public at large and the police themselves through partnerships are educated as in the new types of crime trends taking place. Before we went to break, we were talking about vehicles. Now, forgive me, I haven't been involved in any vehicle investigation for many, many, many years. And you're going to tell my age when I tell you this now, Hugo. I remember the days of clone vehicles where the police would issue, depending on the, the police camp where the vehicle was stored in the 13, they would either issue APVs or TJSs or TPA numbers. And these numbers could either be engraved on the body and on the engine block or they could be stamped. But corrupt people from within the police were able to sell these numbers. This was before e-natus and these vehicles that were stolen that were similar could be cloned all around the country. Now, as of last week, there was a publication in the media that a police officer has been found guilty of corruption, um, specifically working in a vehicle camp involved with cloned vehicles. Are vehicles still being cloned? How is it possible that with all this technology on the highways, with vehicle recognition license plates, with e-natus being a national rollout, how is it possible that cloned vehicles is still a thing? Yeah, um, and uh, I'm well aware of the eight years imprisonment of that policeman that's working at the one camp. The SAPFA numbers, as you've mentioned previously, has still been issued to actually stop this, this vehicles from entering the market again after they've been recovered at the police. But I think the main thing is that corruption, and I, I wish to call it the Egyptian handshake, is a huge problem within, within this environment. Now, one don't have to take a salvage to or go to a pound to actually to get in vehicles detail. You can actually get an, a scrupulous worker at the Department of Transport at the NATO's office that can actually just get a number from the system provided through a WhatsApp to this criminal, got the detail, and they can then actually clone this vehicle through many ways. One must also understand that cloning is such a big problem that I will say that at least 50 to 60% of all vehicles stolen in South Africa re-entering the market being sold by ways of cloning. And that is, the, that is one of our biggest issues. You've mentioned the license plate recognition, or as we used to call it, uh, automatic number plate recognition. Now, I can tell you, that we can pick up some days up to 40 to 50 of those cloned vehicles running around in South Africa. And through the process that we have in place and with the relationship with the police, we actually confiscate a lot of these vehicles. But these vehicles mostly are in the possession of innocent buyers. And that is when the big work start to, to, to take place from the insurance crime bureau with the police and other role players to find out who's the people in the back. Because it's not going to stop. 
if we stop these scrupulous workers within pol in the police, in our own industry, within whoever else, but we need to stop that. If we're not going to stop that, we don't actually address the criminals through convictions. We are not going to win the war there. Now, if you think for yourself, sorry to interrupt, if you think for yourself that approximately 30 to 35,000 vehicles are being cloned in South Africa, then we're sitting with a huge problem. And, I, and through the, the, the public-private partnership that we have with the police, we address this very effectively, and we do project operations in certain areas where we will take away 50, 60 vehicles at a time, and then the big investigation starts. You raised a very important point that I wanted to, to stress for our clients, is that the majority of these cloned vehicles are not being driven by the people that stole those vehicles, but by innocent buyers, people that bought them off a car stand, bought them through some other ad online, and in some cases through unscrupulous um, dealers who have contacts that, that, that deal with the KYC aspect of, of the financing of vehicles. They've actually in some instances had these vehicles Financed. Now, these people, if my understanding is correct, they don't have any recourse. If they get found in possession of a cloned vehicle, their argument is not with the person who, who the car belongs to or the police. That car gets taken from them, and that's it. They need to go fight with whoever they bought it from. Yeah, so um, we have seen in the past and quite recently that buy a vehicle from a an, from an, an dealership, uh, from the known dealerships, don't buy it next to the road. Uh, we have seen so many times now that people are actually selling vehicles on OLX. You don't have any recourse to those people because the telephone number that you call does not exist afterwards. And that is the problem. When And you know what? When a deal is too good to be true, it is too good to be true. How can you pay, and I'm just going to mention, a, and I'm going to go back in my days, a valiant regal. At that stage, you could buy it for 6,000 rand. How can you buy it for 300 rand? Let's take a new example. A polo that's worth 210,000 rand. How can you buy it for 40,000 rand? So when it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. And be careful. Rather go onto the website and go and have a look on the insurance crime bureau and see what you must look out for before you buy a vehicle. Well, that's the first um, bit of advice that uh, our listeners can take away today. And at the end of the show, we're going to be giving the contact details for the Insurance Crime Bureau to learn about these things. But to put it into perspective for our listeners, I'll give you an example of what, what happened recently. We were scanning through ads on Facebook because Facebook now has a section where you can advertise for sale. And we came across an ad specifically for a vehicle. Now, this particular vehicle was a... Quattro Audi station wagon, which is one of the most sought-after vehicles, and the going price was 50,000 rand. Now, the reason we were researching this particular Facebook um, page was because a client had come to us that had a car taken from them, and they believed that the people were advertising under other names on Facebook. When we contacted the seller... The story went that he had just turned 18, his dad had given him this car as a gift, he wanted to get rid of it as quickly as possible because it was too much of a powerful car to run, too much of an expensive car to run, and that's why the car was going so cheap. There are so many red lights going off in that particular instance that what Hugo has pointed out today with regards to all of these online sales means that you need to know 
what red flags to look for. Because if there's a red light going off in your head, you have to follow your gut. So a little bit later in the show, Hugo's going to be advising you of where on his website you can find all of this information. Hugo, getting back to vehicles, apart from the cloning, are we finding a lot of our vehicles leaving South Africa? Yeah, unfortunately, Chad, it's a, it's a huge problem for us. Um, and, and these countries normally state to us, keep your vehicles in your country. Uh, it is a real difficult thing for us to get these vehicles repatriated to South Africa. So if I may um, mention a few countries that, that is a huge problem for us. Some of these countries are being used just as a route, route through them. But our neighboring countries are all in, in serious issue. And one of the reasons for that is that we are the only motor manufacturer in, South Africa, uh, in, 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 in Africa, in Southern Africa. So we've got the vehicles and they can acquire them for free from us by stealing or hijacking these vehicles. We, one must also understand the market out there. There's a demand for those vehicles out there. So, uh, for instance, uh, in Mozambique, uh, they are building a new harbor. For in Lesotho, they are busy with Katsi, the second phase of, of, of the third phase of Katsi. They need smaller buckies. They need smaller um, five-ton and eight-ton trucks. It is easy. They get it for in South Africa for free, and that is the role that we have to play and that is why it's important for the Insurance Crime Bureau to have that relationship with the police and with the neighboring police uh, organizations. We've got an, um, a memorandum of understanding in, in place with the Lesotho police as well so that we can actually work together with these and also with Swaziland. Because on the borders, a lot of the times these, these policemen get those vehicles f entering those, these countries. And then I've got people that's available to assist them to tell them it's a stolen vehicle. Look out for the following, ask the following questions, make sure that you actually are we stopping the vehicle from, from uh, entering those countries. But the vehicles are going to, so far as Mauritius, as Tanzania, Kenya, uh, Ivory Coast, Guinea-Bissau and all of those places. So it is a real issue for us that these vehicles are leaving the country. But as I said, it's, an, it's quite easy. And the other thing is our borders are porous. We don't have borders. There's no border lines. My last vehicle-related question before we take a break and come back and talk about um, the scourge of body stealing in South Africa. Is the SEDEC Joints Chief of Police Forum working? Is it in fact in place? And does SADC have a relationship with the insurance companies to try prevent this from, from happening, what you've just described? So SARPCO is, 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 is definitely in existence. Uh, there's quite a few of the, of the people in the Triple P that is involved uh, with uh, the public-private partners have been involved with SARPCO. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that we can do better from our side and, and SARPCO side. But I can tell you that there's many a time there's uh, um, cross-border um, uh, projects and operations that's been done, and we get normally get involved with those operations. If I if I may, uh, Chad, I think one of the biggest issues for us in the insurance industry at this stage is accident staging. People stage accidents uh, just to make money out of the industry. Some of these um, groups are doing it with third-party vehicles, with, with vehicles on policy. They will make use of the same vehicle six, seven, eight, nine times, 
And at the end of the day, they will then actually get this vehicle hijacked just to make money because all goes about greed at this stage. So it's again corruption. People from, from government and from, from other industries that's involved to make it easy for people to get their, their hands on or to be involved with this accident staging. So for us, it is a serious issue. I'm JT DeHugo Fadsell from the Insurance Crime Bureau. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about why an unclaimed dead body could be of such immense value to a criminal syndicate. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. And today I'm in conversation with Hugo van Sale from the Insurance Crime Bureau. We've been chatting about crimes primarily in the insurance sector relating to vehicle theft, but I think we're about to get a little bit dark. I want to talk to you about this growth in murder for money, where we're talking about bodies being recycled out of morgues, um, unclaimed bodies being used for claims. What's going on and, and what is, why are we seeing such a significant growth in this? Yeah, Chad, it's, it's again uh, greed and uh, easy money to lay your hands on. Uh, uh, many, many years ago, uh, I was in discussion with one of the generals in the Western Cape, and I told him, maybe we need to look at all the murders in the Western Cape and see how many of those are actually murder for money or bo- people being killed just for the funeral benefit or the life benefit. Now, you must remember, if, you, if you're getting killed for, on a fun- uh, funeral benefit, you get double pay. And that is maybe one of the scary things with, with funeral benefits. So if you've got a funeral benefit of 125 and you are, you're dying of unnatural causes, you will get 250,000 rand. And the unfortunate event at this stage is that there's such a lot of cases that we're addressing where people, even family, kill their own family members just to get the funeral benefit from that. Now, we've got quite a few examples in the KZN in the Eastern Cape area at this stage where people are getting killed and then just being maimed or they will use uh, a man of straw's body and uh, they will kill them and they will actually have a policy or a lot of policies at different uh, companies with these uh, uh, on the on these people. You must remember, we are sitting with the data of the industry with us. We can mix and match all this data and we can provide feedback to our members on short-term and life telling them be aware this guy's already been doing this this guy's already been doing this uh, you must actually white flag him or just be aware of the fact that this part, this person previously has done so now you can you we have had really good successes in the KZN area where some of, and it's mostly predominantly ladies that are doing this and and this in this one instance, some of them were actually uh, sentenced to 18 years imprisonment uh, for for a few people that they have killed just for the funeral funeral benefit. But we've got one family member that killed seven or killed five, and she was on her way to kill two more of her family members just to make money. And it and 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 it is a scary story, but I think people need to know to be aware of the fact that the circumstances that we are working in. And the circumstances where the, the life insurers are working in and then also with the police. And, and, and I also think that socially we have to, to get together our act in South Africa that we can stop these type of things happening. Tell me about the bodies for rent because this to me is bizarre. Surely we have a national database that captures all the details of a deceased. How is it that they're able to rent out a body multiple times over a period of time before that body rots to nothing to make a claim on it? 
It is again the Egyptian handshake where you can actually, uh, through corrupt activities, that you can actually rent out these bodies or you can uh, don't take their fingerprints. They can actually then uh, do multiple policies, multiple claims on them, and they, they actually rent out th- to these bodies sometimes 10, 12, 14 times just to, to get these, these funeral policies or funeral claims paid out. And it is, an, it is a huge issue in our industry. Is it not dangerous for your members to be investigating these syndicates? Because if they're prepared to kill their own family members for a funeral plan, and if they're prepared to recycle bodies from the morgue, surely your your investigators are in danger going into rural areas? Yeah, and, I, and I think that's not only pertaining to murder for money. That's all the other investigations that we do as well. Because um, uh, we are not much loved because of the work that we're doing. But we, we said and and... and we're a lot of keen guys at the office and, and, and at our members that want to do something against crime. And unfortunately, we have lost one of our guys previously that was shot. But, but we need to continue the fight and the good fight for the people of South Africa. When we come back, we're going to talk about an interesting topic, and that's ladies of the night. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. From vehicle theft, cloning of cars, sending cars across the border, to the recycling of bodies and the killing off of family members. These are just some of the things that we've learned today from Hugo Fonsell from the Insurance Crime Bureau and things that his team get to deal with on a daily basis. Before we went to break, I said we do chat about Ladies of the Night. Now, no, that's not a song by the Commodores, and I'm not sure if it refers to the Ladies of the Night as we know them in the miniskirts on Oxford Road. When you talk about Ladies of the Night, what is that all about, Hugo? Yeah, we had an, we had quite a few interesting investigations, uh, and we call it Ladies of the Night. It is it is a phenomenon that's not stopping; it's moving around throughout the whole of Gauteng, and I, I'm certain in and certain other areas as well. This is when 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 uh, uh, young men will go to, uh, for instance, the Blue Room or any other nice joint out there, buying themselves a bottle of. Johnny Walker Blue or Johnny Walker Green, um, uh, uh, having an, a nice expensive cigar, sitting, to minding his own business, and then suddenly two or three ladies will rock up with him at his table and ask if they can join. These uh, uh, these guys uh, then say yes, they can join them, and then they will sit together and sipping away on these uh, whiskies and cigars. And at the end of the day, uh, before the, the men want to leave, uh, the ladies will say they must excuse, they want to go to the bathroom quickly, and then that, that's where they make their call, and they call their people that's already waiting outside of the, the restaurant or the bar. Uh, they will then um, uh, ask to join the gentleman home, uh, and they have done quite, quite often that, and uh, at the end of the day they will then present uh, this gentleman with a Zamalek, and I don't know if the people know what is a Zamalek. Zamalek is a black label court beer, uh, but that has already been filled with rohypnol, the date-rape drug, and some other drugs. And this guy will pass out very soon after he got home, and they will then actually just take and empty the whole house. They will take the cars, they will take the motorbikes, the cycles, they will take all the furniture, everything in the house. And uh, and that is the unfortunate thing that's happened, and, and luckily we, we, we've uh, arrested uh, 19 of them. 
that is now from the gentleman that's doing the work at the back and also some of the ladies of the night. And um, and we had very good sentences as well because the, the main charge will be attempted uh, murder because some of these people got to hospital very, very ill. And they also then steal all their, their credit cards, etc., and, and deplete their, their bank accounts. Now, there's been some instances where people have actually died um, because of this crime. Their bodies haven't been able to take the level of dose that they've been given in terms of the, the date rape drug. Um, I remember specifically um, a person that came out for the anti-racism conference that was held at the Durban um, Conference Center. He was found dead in his hotel room, and the toxicology report suggested he had been drugged. And then, of course, during our World Cup, members of one of the soccer teams fell victim to a similar scam when they woke up, all the dollars in their hotel room were, were gone. Can I ask you this? Um, like your bait car you told us earlier, do you have guys who are prepared to go out and be bait for these ladies of the night? I haven't, I haven't thought about that and I don't think any of my guys, and at the other end as well, I'll be off a bit older, older guys doing this job. There's a few youngsters that we actually train to go through the ranks with us now, but I don't think so. Very, very dangerous. In closing, I want you to, to, to tell us a little bit more about, um, some short-term insurance. Um, crimes that are taking place. We've discussed the vehicles, we've discussed the, the bodies, and we've discussed, of course, the ladies of the night. But what should our listeners be looking out for, and, and what is the, the most prevalent fraud that you would say in the short-term insurance market at the moment? So except for the ones that we've mentioned at this stage, um, there's quite a lot of organized crime going on into the smaller claims uh, area now out there. That is now the laptops, the the cell phones, the rims and tires, uh, food that goes off in the fridge and freezer, people will actually target these areas that they can actually uh, get paid out. And they will get multiple policies, multiple claims. And I can give you one example where we've actually put the one guy in jail for eight, eight years for exactly doing that. And at the end of the day, with uh, with the way that he... he um, with his good way of handing himself in the in the jail, he actually was admitted to the admin part of the of the jail, and he sent out the mail then to ask the youngsters to send them um, their CVs, and for only one reason to get the IDs. It's ID theft again. ID theft is a huge problem in our industry and in all the financial uh, the whole financial industry, and these these um, youngsters' IDs are then used to have false policies, but the nice thing is that our system picked these, these commonalities up, and we've, we're again addressing him in jail, but yes, so there's, in short term, there's a big influence of people out there. One must also think that there's other people from other countries in South Africa depleting the coffins of our country, and from our industries. They're here specifically to defraud the financial industry of South Africa, and we can clearly see it that there's several uh, nationalities that's in the country just to do that at this stage. And I'm not going to mention any names. Hugo, um, an issue that that strikes me as as strange is a lot of people will suffer a loss. It could be a housebreaking. It could be the theft of a vehicle or the theft of a bag out of a vehicle. And their friends will say, "Well, pad your claim. You know, now's the time to get back all your policies." Do, do these people not realise that? With all of these fraudulent claims taking place, with them now participating in that, it's going to impact not just on their premiums, but everyone's premiums at large. So that is exactly what we try to do through the intervention of the Insurance Crime Bureau to get the premiums lower. 
Unfortunately, it is well known out there that you that people will advise people to add to add and pad their claims. Now, if uh, and and I've seen it so many times. Uh, the lady has got a point zero three carat or point three carat diamond, and when the 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 ring gets lost, they want an one carat because all ladies, I think, want to do that. But that is wrong. You can go to jail for five to eight years just by doing that. And I want to give a stern warning to the members of the public: please do not do that. Do the right thing and and stay with us and play ball in the fight against corruption and fraud. We're going to take our last break of the day. When we come back, Hugo is going to tell us how we can find out more about what the Insurance Crime Bureau is doing to help you as Joe Public. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Before I give Hugo the last word on the Insurance Crime Bureau, I'd like to just advise you of an important survey that's taking place within the Jewish community. The Jewish Community Survey of South Africa is live. You need to go to www.jcssa2019.co.za to sign up. This is a once-in-a-decade opportunity to participate in the Kaplan Center's national online survey. The survey is open to Jewish adults 18 years and older living in South Africa. Your views are important and your, your participation is essential for planning for the long-term needs of our community. Make time, participate, have your say. jcssa2019.co.za Hugo, I'd love for you to stay for another hour, um, and I'm definitely going to have you back on the show because what you've discussed with us today has really been an eye-opener just for me, and uh, not just for me who's actually in the investigation industry, but our, our listeners at large. We've learned so much, especially regarding um, the vehicle theft syndicates as well as the, 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 the body snatchers, for want of a better word. Um, for our listeners... Um, in closing, tell us a little bit more about membership of the Insurance Crime Bureau and then tell us how to get in touch and more importantly, what do people do if they have information relating to an insurance fraud? So um, we reserve full membership for the insurance companies, must be an insurance company, but we've got a second tier where, where there's companies that, uh, that feel that they want to, to do something in the fight against crime collectively in South Africa where we provide them with certain benefits when they join the insurance crime bureau as an associate membership. It is just to actually to show that you are actually fight the fight with the insurance crime bureau and with government. And I then, uh, a second, secondly, uh, really important whistleblowing does help a lot for us. And we do it anonymously. You can do it anonymously uh, through the fraud line. It's the insurance fraud line. You can go and have a look on the web. But you can send an, an email to insurance at fraudline.co.za. I will repeat, insurance at fraudline.co.za. Or you can call 0860-002526. And there's no caller line identification on that number. So you, it will be completely anonymous. Or you can SMS to 32269. And please do the right thing. Tell me, for the tip-offs and the advice, where do they find your website? So they can just go and have a look at the Insurance Crime Bureau on the website. There's also a place where you can place your tip-offs, and we will provide feedback uh, same day or the next day, latest, if it's at night. 
So the Insurance Kleinberger website, or you can go and look www.icb.co.za. We'll be uploading all those details to the Confidential Brief Radio Show Facebook page. And, of course, you're more than welcome to make direct contact via the web address that we'll be putting up for the Insurance Crime Bureau. Hugo Fatsel, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. It's been a definite eye-opener for me. And for those listeners, do the right thing. There is a fraud report hotline. Let's try and make South Africa a safer place for all. I'll be back same time, same place next week. And with a bit of luck, I'll be able to report during the show on some of the testimony from ex-president Jacob Zuma, who will be at the Zonda Commission next week, Monday.